0: Hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop. How about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking queer money on the road this summer and fall. Visit queermoneypodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in
1: your neighborhood. Here's a question. What should your financial plan include to care for your same-sex spouse in case you pass away first?
0: What if your spouse also has Parkinson's or another debilitating disease?
1: Additionally, what if you have no family support or your family will try to take advantage of your surviving partner should you pass away first?
0: Yeah. So you're listening to Queer Money, episode 372. And today we're answering a listener's question that is just that, caring for a sick spouse. And what should you do to create a financial plan in case you pass away?
1: Now on the show.
0: You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal
1: finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today.
0: Welcome back to another show, folks. This week, we're answering a listener's question they reached out to us, sent us an email, and this was Richard's question. So Rich said, my husband has advanced Parkinson's. First of all, sorry, Richard. I want to make sure that he is looked after if I die before him. My health has declined over the last few years due to a stroke. I'm happy to say that we're debt-free other than a mortgage under $10,000. Any thoughts are appreciated.
1: Well, one, again, thank, thank you for reaching out to us, and we are sorry to hear about your situation, but we are super happy that you are taking proactive action to prepare yourself in case of a worst-case scenario, I guess, right? A- I mean, it's got to be stressful if you're sick and you're caring for a sick spouse that that you might go first, and you're not sure how they're going to be taken care of. That's got to be a lot of anxiety there. Exactly. And, and
0: I think one of the other things that's really kind of important to remember here and I, I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was 68% of individuals will most likely have some sort of disability in retirement. Mm-hmm. So a massive number of us will get to a point in retirement where we will be disabled. And so planning ahead for it when you're not or as soon as you find out that you have these kinds of circumstances is really important.
1: Absolutely. So we have 11 thoughts for you that we're going to share through this episode. The caveat though is that, of course, we don't know your age and we don't know your entire situation. So this is pointed, but not necessarily specific advice. As always, especially with a situation like this, we highly recommend talking with a financial advisor or maybe even more so a financial planner. And in some cases, as we'll discuss throughout the episode, maybe even estate attorney. State attorney. That's what yeah, it is. I'm exactly. going to say a will attorney, Yeah, an estate attorney to make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's here. Yeah. So step number one is to consolidate all of your financial information. Right. I can't tell you how many times we hear and we read about somebody passing away and the surviving spouse is left trying to find out where all the information yeah, is, exactly. where are all the accounts, where is all the login information? Like it's just so hard to like aggregate everything and then take things to the next step. And so on top of the fact that you have passed away and they've had to bury you and deal with all that, then they have to go out hunting and gathering to try to find where all the assets are, where all the information are.
0: Yeah. I think that one of the other important things here is this will also help you kind of collect what all of your assets are, right? What do you have? What insurance do you have? What accounts do you have? You get a clearer financial picture and you have it all set out in front of you so you can make better informed decisions. And if you are bringing someone in, a financial planner, a family member, an state attorney, they will be able to make better decisions yeah. for you as well if they have a complete picture. And one of the important things about this, and this is point number two, is that in order for you to have that, you want to make sure you have this information in a secure place, right? Create a secure file, whether that is, as we have, a fireproof lockbox or a safety deposit box or some digital file file, that is secure, that allows you to have all of this information. Your account numbers, if you have a will, the copies of that that have been legally signed, all of that kind of information, your healthcare documents, all of that, as well as the login ID information and passwords for the accounts that you have so that someone can transact on your behalf if they need to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, don't forget to document where all the logins and passwords are for all your different accounts. We have a colleague who's in one of our accountability groups. His wife passed away a couple of years ago. Obviously, he got rid of her phone or her phone died, but now he can't access some of her accounts that he's trying to access because they require double authentication. So these are types of things that we don't think about until somebody passes away. And then we're like, we don't know how to close those accounts or or resolve all this. It makes everything a lot harder. So the sooner, the more proactive you can be now, the better. Tip number three here is to create a DPOA or a durable power of attorney. That sounds very legalese because it is. <laughs> per legal Zoom, what a DPOA or a durable power of attorney does is that it authorizes someone else to handle certain matters, such as finances or healthcare, on your behalf. If a power, of attorney is durable, it remains in effect if you become incapacitated, such as due to illness or an accident. So this is where you can give somebody authorization to care for your matters should you become incapacitated. And that way you get taken care of. And then the following steps that we're going to discuss throughout this episode will help address your husband's needs. Right. And the important thing about that is
0: this kind of a power of attorney kicks in when you become incapacitated. You don't necessarily have to give over the responsibilities or rights to make these kinds of decisions for you until that happens. So really, you are in charge. You're not giving up control. It is that that kind of control takes moves over to someone else when you no longer can act on your own behalf. Our fourth point here... And this is an important one. If you or even your spouse are on Medicaid, one of the things we suggest here is that you create a special needs trust. And really what this does is this protects your spouse. It would also protect any children that you have that are, are maybe also disabled or have are also receiving Medicaid and are getting supplemental uh, Social Security income benefits the important point here is that there are certain requirement income requirements that can prevent someone from getting or remove them from the the list from getting those kinds of benefits and we don't want to have an accidental oversight here trigger something that would prevent them from get all of a sudden getting their Social Security benefits because getting them cut off it it's a lot harder to get them back on. It's not an easy thing to do. And really, what you're going to do is you're going to work on making sure that the assets that you have or that someone has that could be transferred to you or to your spouse or child, you want to make sure that they are almost set aside and not in your name. There's certain requirements, and I would suggest that you go to SSA.gov and search under this section about social security benefits and trusts, specifically survivor trusts, to find out this information. It's very clear there, but it, they spell it out. There are certain circumstances on what the money can be used for in trusts and what it that would prevent them from being counted towards your income.
1: Exactly. So what it kind of does is it shields those assets from the government so that it doesn't trigger any sort of income limitations that would prevent your surviving spouse, or even children who are receiving Medicaid or supplemental security income benefits, it won't trigger anything to make them get off of those benefits. Yeah. And we talked about this on episode 148 of
0: the Queer Money Podcast. We actually had someone who, and I am forgetting her name. We had a guest who is a financial planner that specifically works with individuals, more often than not, parents of children who are special needs to help them craft these kinds of trusts. So if this applies to you, I would definitely go back and listen to that episode.
1: Exactly. Step number five is to get life insurance and long-term care insurance on yourself if you qualify. So that's a big caveat. At this point, you may not qualify, but it's worth checking out to be sure life insurance obviously will provide benefits for your surviving spouse when you pass away long term care insurance will provide benefits for you if toward the end of your life for any sort of any anything from managing your healthcare to taking care of you while you're you're while you're sick or even your daily day to day needs anything from helping you prepare and, and eat breakfast lunch and dinner all the way to anything that needs a lot more attention, such as you know, getting your shots and taking your medicines. In both cases, ask to have a death benefit rider added. Death benefit riders can free up life insurance money for the policy holder in the very late stages of life. So this is especially advantageous if you don't have a lot of assets to rely on. The death benefit rider on either of those policies, the life insurance or long-term care insurance policy, can provide you with some additional assets that can augment whatever you you have to take care of those very, very late stages of life kind of towards the phase when you might be looking at hospice. Yeah, I think another
0: important point here is it's likely that your husband, Richard, is not going to qualify for long-term care insurance if you haven't already applied for that. But the death benefit rider can be added to both yours and to his life insurance if you are able to get life insurance. You can have those added and that will allow him to be taken care of, especially towards the end of his life for these kinds of circumstances that John just talked about.
1: Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community through access to credit, tools to manage debt and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today.
0: All right, next point here is a really important one. Get a will. There are so many individuals who pass over this step. A will or a trust is really important. A will really dictates where your assets go. And unfortunately, we have a lot of recent cases of famous people, actually Anne Heche, who passed away this year. She died without a will. So it's not uncommon. Actually, I remember seeing some statistic, and I think it's less than, well less than 50% of individuals actually have a will crafted that dictates what happens with their assets. And if you don't have trust that outlines what happens to your assets, if you don't have beneficiaries listed, then all of your assets end up going into your estate. And then, unfortunately a lot of that money can end up going to the government rather than to your surviving spouse or family. And that's probably not what your husband needs. So set up a will, make sure that you have a will. And wills are pretty easy to set up. You can do them online through various websites. But if yours is getting more complicated, you may want to reach out and talk to an attorney.
1: Right. And, you know, we also talked about if you have family members that don't support you, This is one way to protect and make sure your assets go to where you want them to go so that your non-supportive family members can't just all of a sudden pop up and try to put their hands in your money pot and take your money. You definitely want to make sure you have all that spelled out so that if your case does go to court, it strengthens yours and your surviving spouse's argument more so than your non-supportive family members. And just to be clear, Anne H. died in 2022. Oh, what did I say? It's 2023. Oh,
0: that's right. (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) Next step here is have a survivors trust drafted with contingencies to give your husband the proper care he'll need should you pass away first. So David talked about earlier about the survivors trust. You want to make sure that the survivors trust is established. Do you want to elaborate on this? You're better versus it than I
0: am. Well, and part of the reason I I know about Survivors Trust is one of the jobs that I had when I worked in financial services was I would read Survivors trusts and I would Verify that the individual who was trying to act on someone's assets after someone had passed away was actually the individual who could or should act and making sure that they were acting in alignment with what the trust said. Really, a survivor's trust is basically a trust that kicks in when you pass away. And the assets are designated for the benefit of the survivor. And the way that these can be set up is that the, all of the assets need to be spent and used for the benefit of the survivor. And you can designate whether or not the individual who managed this manages the survivor's trust. So the trustee, which may be a family member or an attorney, you can designate whether or not or how much they receive as compensation for being the trustee. Because we know that there are situations, and this is very common in familial situations where a trustee will come in and they will siphon off assets for themselves away from the beneficiary of the trust. And so Survivor's Trust dictates very specifically how the money should be spent, who it goes to, how and when it can be distributed. And sometimes they could actually designate how the assets can be used. So for example, I've seen Survivor's trusts where... Let's say there was a pool of stocks or assets and only a portion of those could be sold every year in order to support or pay for the beneficiary. Or in some cases, only the dividends from those assets, from those stocks could be used to pay for the support of the beneficiary. It really defines much more in depth what really happens with those assets.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can really kind of create any contingencies that you want that are legal, exactly um, your trust so that you can have everything splayed out or, or done exactly as, as you wish. Yeah. And again, this is just another precaution to make sure that
0: things happen the way that you want to have them happen and protects you and your spouse from family, as John mentioned, that may not be supportive and maybe looking to just get at your assets.
1: All right, since you stole my point, I'm taking the next one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> next step here is to have your DNR or do not resuscitate orders outlined both for both of you to make sure they align with what your wishes are. Some people don't want to be resuscitated for whatever reason. That might be the case for either of you. You want to make sure you have that outlined clearly so that there's no risk of anybody not providing you the care that you would otherwise be required to receive. Yeah. All right, the next
0: one here is to make sure that all of your accounts have a beneficiary listed on them and that that beneficiary is your husband. Or in some cases, it may be that the beneficiary is the trust that you have created for the benefit of your husband. And really, again, making sure your assets go where they're supposed to go This applies to both retirement accounts and non-retirement accounts. Most likely if you have joint accounts, hopefully you live in a state which they would be allowed to be reflected as joint with rights of survivorship, which means that if one of you passes away, the other gets those assets. Again, if you're concerned about social security benefits because of disability then you want to make sure that the beneficiary of your assets is going to the trust so we don't trigger any events but really again the important point here is if you have any assets you want to make sure you're directing where the assets go when you pass away
1: exactly and to be clear whatever you outline in a will does not supersede designated beneficiaries that's listed on an account the priority in in law is that the beneficiaries listed on the account are the people who get the assets in that account, not what you would listed in your will. So very often there are situations where ex-spouses happen to still be on IRA accounts and they were never meant to get those assets because now there's a new spouse in the picture and the person who passed away had outlined what they preferred to have done in the will but they didn't update their beneficiaries. Yeah. So contrary to what we might have said earlier, You want to make sure your beneficiaries are clearly documented accurately because wills do not supersede them.
0: Yeah, and that's honestly, that was my my very first boyfriend. That was the situation with his mother. His mother was basically living off of government assistance because his father passed away, hadn't updated his life insurance policy beneficiary. It was listed as his ex-wife. She got $600,000, and his current wife with five kids, my ex-boyfriend being one of them, got nothing from that, and it was really tough for them financially. Exactly. All right. The next one here is if you own any real estate in your name only, add your husband as owner on that, especially if you're not legally married. But, of course, we're going to encourage you to get <laughs> legally married if you're not, although I think you refer to him as husband. Although I, I know a lot of people will refer to someone as their, as their spouse, even though they're not legally married hopefully in your state, you're common law married and that in some cases will apply, although that can be easily contested in court. in this
1: case, you definitely want to cross all the T's and dot the I's. You don't want to just hope that common law marriage will help provide you the same benefits that actually getting legally married would provide. So especially if you're concerned about your partner being taken care of appropriately after you pass away, you want to make sure you have that legal protection so that they get anything and everything that you have.
0: Yeah. And I remember there was a very famous case in New York and I want to say that this was in like 2016, 2015-2016 back when we were first starting and I think we might have talked about it in on one of the we podcast did. episodes of a gentleman who was his his husband although they were not legally married passed away. He was not listed as an owner on the apartment that they had owned together in New York and the deceased spouse's family was trying to kick him out of the house. It was a very publicized legal fight, and the family—I
1: was... think the family ended up getting ownership of it, but they were required to let the surviving partner continue to rent the property, which is great, so that he still has a home, but he doesn't have access to the assets. Yeah, and his not supported, and his family members. This, the deceased family members did not support him throughout his life. So there was no need for them to get access to his assets. Yeah. Last point here consider getting an annuity if there is any concern that either of you could outlive your money. That's a last ditch effort to make sure you have enough assets to take care of yourself. Should you outlive what you might have saved in retirement and you don't have enough through Social Security income to be able to help take care of you so you don't end up, you know, destitute in your last last remaining days.
0: Yeah, and what this really does is it allows you to take what money you do have and spread it out and push some of the risk for making sure you're you're spreading it out off onto a company that that's their job, is to make sure that they understand what your risk level is based on your circumstances and they take on that risk to make sure you're, you have some sort of income.
1: Again, we don't know your exact situation, so you may have already done some or none of these Some of these may be harder to do or more expensive to do than others based on your age and your current healthcare. But as always, as we said before, make sure you talk with a financial planner, maybe loop in an estate attorney and whoever else they might suggest to make sure you cross all those T's and dot all those I's. You want to make sure you do everything accurately. This is maybe a good template to bounce off of and maybe run the ideas past somebody who will know your personal situation much more deeply than we currently do.
0: Yeah. So stay tuned for your queer money takeaway from this episode.
1: Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for listening to another episode. Here's your Community Takeaway. People hate talking about money. Hate it. People hate talking about money and death even more. <laughs> hate it, hate it. Even if you or your partner or partners, in some cases, are in good health, follow the steps outlined in this episode and prepare yourselves for the proverbial, just in case.
0: Thanks again. Join us Thursday for our bonus episode and the next Tuesday for a regular show. Thanks and have a great week.